Okay, hey everyone, this is Mark Perry, and today I have a very special guest with me, Dr. Ray Doctor, and his last name is spelled D-O-K-T-O-R. And so a couple of years ago, I reached out to Dr. Ray because I had heard an entrepreneur raving about EMDR therapy and how it helped him remove roadblocks and become a better entrepreneur. And I'm like thinking, why not give it a try? I'll, I'll give it a try. So um, while I never ended up doing EMDR therapy, I did have a handful of sessions with Dr. Ray and they were really impactful for me on many levels. And I just recently completed another handful of sessions. And so for most of my life, the whole idea of like seeing like a therapist or a psychiatrist just was not something I ever contemplated. And kind of frankly, I thought it was for people who maybe had some serious traumatic or psychological issues. And so I wanted to do this podcast with Dr. Ray first to introduce you to him and he's a, as he's a really smart guy with wide breadth and depth of experience. And number two, after you know, I've helped guys improve their health and well-being for 10 years, I'm really grateful. I think this is something that could potentially benefit a ton of guys who are struggling with the same patterns and challenges over and over and over and over again. And so what I'm hoping to do today is pick Dr. Ray's brain about therapy, what it is, what it's not, who can benefit from it, so you can get an overview if this is something that may be used for, for you or maybe someone you love, right? And so uh, let me just tell you a quick uh, bio, give you a, a kind of a quick background on Dr. Ray. So Dr. Ray is a doctor in clinical psychology and pioneer in bridging psychology and Eastern philosophies with science and spirituality. Over the past 24 years, Dr. Ray has worked as a transformational life coach, workshop facilitator, author, and accomplished speaker. He helps people break through their limited beliefs and challenges to attain self-mastery. And he is training in, he's training in a, bunch, a bunch of things. <laughs> Maybe we'll, we'll dive into a couple today. Uh, one, you know, hypnotherapy, gestalt therapy, guided imagery, EMDR therapy, NLP, Qigong, Psych K, meditation, sound healing, and somatic experience. That is all a mouthful. And so Dr. Ray has conducted workshops around the world and has shared the same stages with Marion Williamson, Bruce Lipton, John Gray, and Eckhart Tolle, to name a few. And he also has made numerous media appearances. I mean, you can kind of Google him and you'll see a bunch of you know, media appearances he's made. And he's been quoted in several major media publications. And so he currently resides in Santa Monica, where, where I am as well. And so um, with all of that said, Dr. Ray, I really, really, really appreciate you, uh, appreciate you taking the time out to, uh, to join today. Thank you so much. This is very exciting, and, I, and I'm looking forward to the questions you have to, you're going to ask. And for clarity, I'm going to talk about, you know, the, the therapeutic world and probably like traditional therapy versus coaching, because um, with coaching, it's setting up future templates. With therapy, it's kind of like going into the deeper story and say the past, and yet a lot of people never move forward. It's just the same narrative. So, so that's that's so, and that's one of the. I really want to dive in. I'm super mm -hmm. super excited. I think that's even gotten me more excited. What you just said. So, so what what is therapy? Like just starting out with that. So. Traditional therapy, because that's what most people would probably experience, is where you talk about something, and if you just open up about it, if you shed some tears, then 
for most therapists, that's considered a positive experience. It doesn't matter if you're there for five years. The, the model is not so much about where you get, it's more about the process. So the process could be forever. Now, it's not saying it's not beneficial, but it's to hold that space for someone to look at things a little bit deeper and be introspective. But with traditional therapy, what happens with that, a person still typically arrives to the apparent reality, such as, I'm this way, I feel behind, or I feel like I'm a mess, or I feel a lack of confidence because my father was hard on me, my mother was never around, my parents were alcoholics, to this happened to me when I was in my childhood, and so forth. And every person should t- be able to talk about those things. It's just, it's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to like, okay, now that I have this information, how is it affecting me internally? And what unconscious beliefs I have about myself that stop me from moving forward, regardless if, say, what Mark Sharon is positive, I know it should work, and I've read these self-help books, and I've watched these positive videos on YouTube, I find myself still kind of in this vicious cycle of self-sabotaging behaviors. So the model of traditional therapy is where you talk about your experiences, your emotions, and hopefully that therapist can hold that container for you to understand yourself better. So it is to lead to self-awareness, but if that self-awareness is also still with a kind of skewed perception of yourself and you don't have the map to move forward, you can truly get stuck in that. Even if you have an amazing coach such as Mark offering you information because it's, you, you know, it'd be like, I notice this a lot with coaches. They'll share information, particularly with men more than women. And I know that might sound like a generalization, but it's what I've seen experience. And men will try to think themselves into a positive choice. They'll try to think themselves in what they're going to do. And yet, emotionally, they're not aligned. Uh, their unconscious mind is still saying, you can't do it. You're a loser and whatever else. So in therapy, the attempt is to try to find out why am I sabotaging myself? Why am I still not able to move forward? Why is it that I keep hitting this invisible wall, even though I consciously know that there's a better choice? That's, uh, that's a lot said, man. I really, really <laughs> appreciate it. Um, I think there's a lot, there's a lot in there that we can, we, we can dive into. And so, I mean, you, you touched upon it in that answer, but I was just curious to hear, like, even like, I guess even more directly or simply, and you've touched upon this already, like coaching versus therapy. Cause I, you know, I've coached guys for many years and there are sometimes when I feel like it's almost straddling the line, it's like, is this, is this almost therapeutic? Like where, where is this going? And so I want to hear your thoughts on what you think kind of coaching versus therapy is. It is a gray area because also cognitive therapy could also resemble coaching because it's given people say tasks. It's kind of helping them kind of understand themselves and giving them behavior modification, such as a coach would be, but to be very clear, very simple, it's this therapy in a way it's exploring the emotional realm, including maybe your past childhood. Whereas with coaching and say traditional coaching, the idea is to move forward to where you want to go. And it's to remove still maybe some blocks that might be in your way, but it might be more like such as yourself as a coach or other coaches, they're challenging a person's philosophy. So for example, if I were your client and I were to say, 
you know, life really sucks or like, I just don't think I can do it. Your approach might be, well, um, you know, I hear you, I feel you, but what would you really want to do? And where would you really want to go? And then that person starts talking about where they want to go. They maybe start taking responsibility rather than kind of playing more in like, I can't do it or victimhood. And hopefully they can move forward to create a, a better life, such as do training, you know, uh, be committed to, uh, say, staying on a diet and everything else. But if they have the emotional story, if they have the, the hidden emotional challenges, then that will always disrupt coaching. It will always disrupt, you know, even like there's a lot of people who go see Tony Robbins, thousands and thousands. And they feel amazing for the first two weeks, but they often revert back to old behaviors because there's hidden stories. So therapy can go there, but a combination of therapy and coaching, that's a whole other model. And to me, that would be the best of both worlds combined because then you're exploring what blocks you, but you also have a map where to go. You have a new set of philosophies. For example, a, in traditional therapy, a, a, a therapist will typically be compassionate and say, yeah, your parents were not that kind to you. Yes, you didn't experience love. Yes, your parents were conditional and a little bit judgmental. And a coach might, will, will, might say, well, dude, you know, they're not here. They're not in your life. And you kind of got to get over it. What do you want to do about it? And so a person in therapy can stay there forever and keep talking about that over and over and over again. It is good. And by the way, why I really like this uh, interview also is that it's letting others out there know how to use it to your best benefit. Because it doesn't mean therapy is not, is, is bad. It's that if you need a space to talk about those emotions, great, but you also want to move forward. And if that therapist is not holding that space for you, you need some type of coach such as Mark to guide you there. And so I actually really appreciate that. And so for, for the listeners, like one thing that I thought was really cool about meeting Dr. Ray was I, I had an initial conversation and he, I told him about some of the challenges I experienced. He's like, yeah, he's like four sessions. I'm like, what are you, I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, we just we do four sessions. It's, it's done. And so for this type of, in this type of area, I imagine that there, it creates a dependency situation really easily. Like, especially like a personal trainer, for example, I had a personal training practice. One thing I would worry about is I didn't want like our clients to become dependent on us. And it's like, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I can't work out unless I'm with my trainer and, or I can't get results unless I'm with my trainer. And so anyways, I think this area in particular, probably even more than training, like, especially with therapy, it's like all of a sudden any slight issue or challenge in your life. It's like, Oh man, I gotta, I gotta see my therapist. I gotta versus kind of handling and working through it yourself. And so I'm kind of curious, Dr. Ray, I mean, from your perspective, it's like, how do you create a situation where you don't create dependency where, right? Like how does that, how is that possible? And what are your thoughts on that? Well, first off, when I work with clients because I have the clinical training and a lot of people are coming to me for say therapy, but I don't, provide therapy. I have worked in that realm. I'm, I'm a coach, but I would say I'm a hybrid coach because I have that training. So I interview people. I do a discovery, free discovery call where I ask particular questions. I have been doing this a very long time, so I'm intuitive. I kind of see where a person's at. 
So there are some people who will show up and they are having like drinking problems and they're still really not, they're still on the fence whether or not it's a problem or not to where that they're just, I wouldn't say, and I don't say lower function with judgment, but I typically work with higher function people. So a person who is lower function where it's just more about survival versus thriving, for example, that would look like a person just, if they don't stop drinking, they're going to lose their job, lose their family. They're not even thinking about hobbies and working out and you know what I mean? Like they're at a level of like, you know, I'm, my life is not really functional right now with this drinking. This is the most important thing right now in my life. And I appreciate that they might be better off with a, a, a person who uh, specializes in alcoholism or holding that space or that type of therapist or a coach. It's, it's a different model where they might have to see that person a lot more, more times in a way, almost as if this person's their sponsor because they're trying to deal with something that's kind of been going on for a while. They're still stuck in it. They might not even have that understanding of why they started drinking in the first place. So people are at different levels of their healing and understanding, if that makes sense. Like for, for, for example, you're, you have been in this, uh, I would say healing coaching arena for a very long time. So the conversations you hear by your colleagues and just even living here, more people are higher functioning. So, but when you get with people who are like almost on skid row or where they are just like in a really, really like tough place where just imagine it being a man who's never shared his emotions and he's never even like saw his dad cry or share his emotions. His dad was very detached and just say, he's taken on some of those qualities for him just to say, I'm having a bad day might be a lot for him to, to act any other than being on might be uncomfortable. So that person might do well with a coach that's going to hold space like that or a therapist who will spend a year, two years, because it might be really baby steps, really baby steps. So there's sometimes that can look like to some people like a dependency, but the model which I shared is not, it is where that, a person will need to see you more. So for you, Mark, you're higher functioning. And when I interviewed you, I validated that also meaning on our discovery call. So that's kind of how I see it and how I work. Now to answer your question directly about dependency, it's that the coach or therapist never takes responsibility for their well-being. They never take away, they, for example, it is really about given reflection to that client such as you're aware you made a good decision you know and you, before in the past you said you didn't do you notice how much better you're doing how does it feel to make your own decisions to make healthier choices it's where you instill in them all the little things no matter how small it, it appears so they start feeling that confidence so they make their own decisions and don't develop this dependency on that coach or therapist however it can also happen when, say, a therapist or a coach hasn't worked out their own shit. In other words, there are therapists and coaches out there, and yeah, this is kind of a warning, where they, they haven't worked through their demons, and therefore, they develop a dependency. It's the other way around. People don't realize that there are therapists who have been with their clients for 20 years because that they might rely on that consistency of making money to that they their sense of self is by having that person come in to the office and keep working through it. But if the client is stuck in a process and so is the therapist is stuck in the process, 
they both have become codependent on each other. Interesting. And so we went somewhere else with that. Yeah, no, no, it's okay. No, no, there's, <laughs> there's a lot here. And again, there's, there's a lot here. I mean, I think, uh, you know, we were talking about in the beginning about these patterns, right? And, and certainly it's like, uh, you know, guys who've gone through our programs, for example, you know, certainly with eating challenges, right? It's like they can't stop. Let's just call it who knows what it is like late night snacking or just emotional eating. It's like they get stressed out and it's like, you know, the rails come off type of thing. And so I guess I'm curious, there are probably, I mean, there are many different ways to think about kind of stopping a pattern, right. And creating mm -hmm. a new pattern. I'm kind of curious how you think about it and how you go about helping someone. Okay. So imagine, and I'm confirming that majority of your clients are a man or are they all men? Um, well, just in, in terms of like, we, you know, we've got the, a website where we've got like, you know, hundreds of thousands of people who come, it's all, it's, it's all men, right? Okay. As, okay. as of now, okay. in terms of all the customers, yeah. Okay, so, so imagine uh, it's a man and he has challenges eating, okay? And so I'm approaches and, and multiple ways. So imagine on his refrigerator, he has an, a post that says, what you're looking for is not in here. So just that is a little, a reminder and also hopefully bring some humor in that. And so he might have a, a notepad somewhere there. And every time he feels the need to eat, he has to check in his body, literally put his hand on his belly and his hand on his heart and say, like, what are you really feeling? Is it hunger or something else? And it's to direct him into the state or the emotion of what he's feeling in his body. And if that were to become uncomfortable, then to avoid that discomfort, this say eating is probably his kind of pseudo way, like to take an aspirin, you know, for a headache to, to get rid of that. So that would just be like one little start. I'm just blasting these out. Now working with a coach or say someone like myself, it would be to see why is this feeling bad? If you're able to feel yourself, isn't that great? Rather than being robotic. So his association connections, emotions might be, this is awful. You know, I, I need to man it up. It might be, it's what his dad told him. It's he grew up in a culture where uh, that was more valued to be able to be stoic or something. So it might be the narrative he's saying when he feels that, therefore he doesn't even allow himself to cry. And so he's kind of bottled up. So the food serves as a way to help him feel some type of relief to feel better. So when you start creating just connections right now, so I already know a lot of men are going, wow, wow. Like you're, I, I'm kind of breaking your racket wide open, but there's a inner dialogue that's happening. There's a sequence before you start eating. And when you understand that, you understand the mechanism. It's really hard to keep falling into those patterns because you just now heard this interview. You just now <laughs> learned that there's a sequence and it's more, you start catching yourself to where, of course, you put healthier things in place. So it's like, if I'm feeling emptiness and that's why I'm eating, what is the core issue of my emptiness? Well, it could be that I don't really experience life. I'm not present. Therefore, the money I make doesn't fill me up. The woman I'm with doesn't fill me up. Nothing fills me up because I'm not really present with myself. I don't like who I am. Men might hear this and go, well, fuck, I'm fat. You know, like, how could I love myself? Well, you're feeding yourself up with something that's making you feel worse. And when you fill yourself with the emotions, it creates the neurochemicals in your body to, to help you feel literally satisfied and to where 
you start breaking the patterns because you start giving your body the things that's always wanted rather than food. This is really powerful stuff. And so Dr. Ray, just as an aside, it's, you know, one thing I've kind of helped guys with and, and I've been kind of recommending is the idea of having like a photo food journal. So the idea is, is you have your like cue routine reward kind of pattern, right? It's like, oh, you have a cue. Maybe you smell something, maybe you see something. And then you go through a little routine. Next thing you know, it's like mindless. And then, you know, you're eating whatever it is and maybe it's not going to be the best for you. And maybe it's kind of, uh, pointing you in a way that's not improving your health and well-being. And so the one kind of caveat is that, yes, it can help you become very aware because it's like a pattern interrupt. It's like, oh, before I eat, I've got to take a photo of something. It interrupts the pattern, right? Mm -hmm. But the tricky thing is I think what you're getting to is they're, they're deeper. There's another layer. There's another layer or two or three or four behind, underneath this. And so, um, and so you were mentioning the kind of uh, – you know, in terms of these archetypes, I guess, right? Like someone who, who maybe out of the, is very stoic. I mean, is there, uh, I'm just trying to get a sense, like, I mean, how can someone kind of get to the root and not only just get to the root, they might even know like, okay, their challenges, their issues, but it's like, how do they, I guess, find the root and then overcome it? I mean, obviously working with someone might, <laughs> like, like yourself might be very helpful, but I just want to kind of ask you that. Okay, so... I want to mention one thing, keep me on track here because I'm, yeah, I'm no hearing worries. three responses right now. Okay. So first off, keep in mind that majority of people who try to stop eating are using a negative leverage. And that means deprived of themselves. Okay. And that means uh, having negative. And when I say it's not like inherently negative it's but it's more of this is that if deep inside within your emotional body this is rewarding you in some shape or form to eat more and often that person has become that way by negative things that have been said to him or her okay so then if you start creating like rules and things to do to deprive yourself of this thing then you're just being mom and dad yourself once again. So I just wanted to plant that seed a little bit. So negative leverage never works. Never works because it's depriving you still of something that you're still not getting. So I just want to put that out there. Oh, that's, that's really, really okay. powerful. Okay. <laughs> really powerful. Uh, okay. Number two, the other response is this. You asked me, how does a person work on himself? When I respond, the other thing, that will be actually how it might look. Now, this goes to like, you've heard the same, like, you know, there's, when you try to use the same intelligence that created a problem, you, you get nowhere. And so the reason why a lot of people are also stuck with coaching or therapy or reading self-help books or say attending a Tony Robbins seminar is because they still have that same mechanism that overriding negative life philosophy or life experience so therefore as an example and a lot of men can relate to this and that is this imagine i'm a, a man and well i am one and i my father said i would never be successful and this is actually a client i kind of his story i worked with who was running a billion dollar company and his father was a full-blown narcissist, 
And he, his son, who was older in his 50s, I would say had a lot of those traits as well. And his father was a doctor. And this man went to the best college. He started a company very early on in his age. But it was always to prove something, to prove to his father. So even though that the money was in the bank, he never arrived to a sense of peace and freedom within himself. And he even, say, attracted the attractive wife. Uh, it still wasn't enough. And, and him, too, he was an alcoholic. And so he came to me like when he was like 55 years old. And so when we, now when I say positive, like negative leverage, it can look positive to the rest of the world. You push yourself through college. You're pushing. You did these things. But if the, the narrative, the negative narrative was still there, it was, if you're not these things, you're a loser. If you don't do this, you're a loser. That's his dad's voice also. So he achieved this and yet never felt a sense of peace and love for himself. So this, it's very important to remember that even when it looks like you're moving forward, it is why, take note, men, why you end up self-sabotaging again because you might be doing this program and the attitude in which you have to push yourself through it is a negative still has that negative command and we need to get rid of that negative command and your reason for wanting to do this has to be because you just love yourself you're worth it and it's moving at space and if this were to come up well i'm not this until this then it's like saying, okay, then you're only worthy by what others say, or you're only lovable by how it looks out there. You know, and again, a lot of people will get there and still not enough because it's not coming within. It's more from the external validation. Okay. Now to third response. I was trying to hold all okay, of this. No, it's it's amazing. Continue, please. Okay. Now the third one is this, and that is you said how a person could change. What did you, how did you actually ask me that again? I was saying it's like kind of identifying the root and you're saying it's like, how do you create or, or, um, uh, you know, create a solution to it. And I think you talked about that one guy who had that neg negative disempowering belief in his father's voice. Like, what do you do? Like, how do you, how can that person change and not yeah. continue that sabotage? Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to remember what happened. This is like five years ago. <laughs> okay. Okay, and so just with that person, and then just kind of expand on it, not exactly in details of how it worked, but it would be like this. So first off, with that particular client, in never feeling enough, it was to first have a client, first, 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 first important, to ask them, what is your relationship to emotions, negative or positive? Because imagine emotion is like your check engine light, whether something's working or not. And if you're denying it, you're never giving yourself literally positive feedback to make better choices. You deny who you are and therefore you effort yourself into doing things that are not really aligned. So it's never going to feel good, but you keep overriding your emotions with negativity or just trying to, I guess you say, power yourself through it. So what is first your relationship to emotions? Negative? Is it like you feel like a pussy? What is it? And of course, if a man is hearing this right now, you're already a way ahead of most men because 
you're obviously listening to this because you're a little bit more open to emotions and self-improvement. So amazing. So, but it's going, it's going to that thought. Then also what was your earlier feelings and thoughts to emotions? And the person's to like close their eyes and check in with themselves. And then it's asking, so how do you feel about emotions now? I did ask that in three different ways. That man, if he were to say, I'm not good with it, then it's starting at that level. And that is, what can we do for you to accept yourself and your emotions that come up for us to move forward? And after you stop working with me, you need to have a positive perspective about that. So they might be just stuck right there and talking about like, until they become comfortable with it. And what is there are the shadows is when I showed myself when I was vulnerable, my dad put me down. When I was vulnerable to my mom, my mom just like didn't pay attention to me either. When I opened myself up to the male friends or people I went to school with when I was in high school, they made fun of me. But it's more to kind of go, okay, that happened. And how did that serve you? And what would you like to experience now? Well, I'd like to, to be accepted and validated. Then it'd be the question, do you need it to be validated by your high school friends, your dad now, but as a man right now, by yourself, because they're not going anywhere. They're here. They exist. And they exist in every human being. Can he be okay with your emotions? Just say that person finally has like that, that catharsis, they cry or disconnect with it, whatever way, technique I use, I could be okay with emotions. That would just be the first level of healing, being okay with emotions, okay? I can keep going if you want, but I don't want to like just no, be no, a monologue. I, no, I, I understand. So if, if you know, <laughs> like, let, let, let's keep going a little bit. I think this is a you know really good train of thought, and I think it's going to be really helpful for a lot of guys. Um, you know, there, there's certainly an at least for me. I mean, it's it's like you don't want to go with emotions. Like, hey, man up, suck it up, handle it. Those are the kind of voices okay. oftentimes that go in my head. So I really appreciate yeah. this. Please continue. Yeah, this is important, especially men. If you say you have problems eating, number two is okay. Now you know emotions are okay then I want you to go to just say one experience or a few experiences in which you feel were a pivotal point of your top, your life to where you started eating more, smoking more weed, or just like not feeling the best about yourself. And then the person starts talking about it, then I would have them close their eyes and I, I would want them to, I want you to feel into the experience and as if you were there, as if you were happy now, feel it, you know, see it, smell it, experience it as if you're there. And oftentimes people like will keep open their eyes because they're not able to go there, you know, and th th that shadow that's coming up is also what they avoid, which leads to them say eating. So I'm like, just stay with it. Remember emotions are okay. Feel with it. They might have an idea. They have to get out of it because they have that negative command. So I'll say, sit with the emotion, be with it. Let it be, let it move through your body. And always, hands down, for the, they, you know, they'll experience it on a different level, even if they open their eyes or are, are uncomfortable, just with that guidance to go, this is here and it's okay. It could neutralize it. But ideally, it would be where they feel it and it leaves their body. So the energy's not there. If that energy's not there, then also it's going to take away that those heavy feelings you might have late at night, believe it or not, but by doing that during the day. So that's the second step of just being, being able to neutralize it. Now, the third step might be where now that you know that, well, let's first get to a transparent belief. Now that the person's able to process the emotions and let it go, 
then it's that apparent reality that, that surfaced. I started to feel bad when I felt rejected by my girlfriend or I was fired or something. Okay, so the idea is that you felt rejected, you didn't feel good, therefore you started feeling bad about yourself, you started eating, okay. But the fact is you're, now that they're okay with sharing, like their emotions, they're able to share it. When they share it, there's more, it's not just in their head, as a matter of fact, their head is connecting to their emotions. But they're still a little bit on the surface. They're more like talking about it happened. Now listen to how I say this. They're kind of blaming outside circumstances. Blaming, it influenced them, but it's truly that if they felt really good about themselves, being fired or having a breakup would just be another life event. Like for example, I have a six-year-old son. If he were to like barge in in this interview and get on the camera and say, fuck you, Mark, <laughs> Mark would probably see you laugh. He start laughing because it's a kid. Like, and yet if he's 26 years old, you like, you'd be like, you would take it personally. Like, you think, well, he's supposed to be an adult and, and you would feel like he's confronting you, your maybe sense of self. And yet a six-year-old, you didn't have that reaction. So within our framework, within our, you know, mental construct, we interpret information differently and some things we allow to bother us, some things we don't, okay? So now take what I just shared and now imagine that man or who was in high school when he was 17 years old, when his girlfriend broke up with him, he interpreted it as if he was not enough, that he wasn't attractive enough, he wasn't worthy. That's because he didn't have a strong, say, self-esteem. And so it's not because she broke up with him. It's what he said to himself. So the, tr the apparent reality is I felt this way because my girlfriend broke up with me. But the transparent belief, the internal one is this, I didn't feel worthy. I didn't feel enough. And then now you got it. And so I go in the refrigerator when I don't feel enough. I go in the refrigerator when I'm not really loving myself. Okay, now we understand this. And now we understand this, because I, I hate this saying too, when it's like on a surface, just love yourself. The fuck does that mean? Just love yourself. Well, now you know what it means on a deeper level in which it could possibly be experienced in a better way. Because if you perceive things as being against you, then even someone saying, just love yourself, <laughs> you can experience that as if you're doing something wrong. So it's being able to listen to the inner dialogue and how you're interpreting information. That's really, by the way, you know, as you're speaking, Dr. Ray, it, it reminded me of like, man, I've got to listen to this again because there's, there's a lot of information, right? You're going through, and this is something like you could listen to two, three times and still get new, new insights with. And one really cool thing we did, which was a complete game changer for me was when we did our sessions together, you're like, record them. And mm -hmm. I'm like, okay. And I was, I thought that was amazing that you would allow people to record it. And so when you, we recorded together and I could hear, I, I listened mm -hmm. to the whole thing and I'm like, and I heard myself talking and I was like, who is that guy a couple of times? 
because then I can yeah. hear these stories. So tell me a little bit more about like why you do that and what you think the benefits are. I'm going to respond to that, but I wanted to give something because I gave a sure. very long-winded response okay. to okay. this whole process. Mm -hmm. To give it a one, two, three, four process is, okay. would be number one, to be able to find out your relationship to emotions just in general. Number two, to be able to have the experience to experience your emotions fully and let it move through your body. Number three, to be able to talk about the experience in which you feel victimized you or hurt you or influenced you from a, in a way that you're vulnerable and open and connected to your emotions. And number four, to be able to discover the transparent belief, the inner dialogue, what you said to yourself about the experience, and then that would help catapult you over your invisible or the wall would just disappear, the visible wall. So there's that. Uh, I, I and really, now, really appreciate that, but continue. Yeah. yeah, please continue. And now as far as to the, the uh, recording is this, what's great about that and traditional therapists don't do it or allow it, I would demand it if you do it. I would pull out your phone and record yourself. And of course they have issues with just privacy, so you might have to sign some document. But when you are in your shit, you're in your shit. You don't know how you sound, you don't know what's going on. So when you record yourself in a great coaching session, You'll hear your defensiveness. You'll hear your limited beliefs. You'll hear yourself argue for your limitations. You know, like for example, I've worked with clients who will say, yeah, they'll talk, we'll get to a great place and they've landed there. They feel like they're there and they describe it in a way where they understand it. And then they say, well, what's going to happen when blah, 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 blah. I said, you just, you just went there. And then we go back into like, doing a little deeper work again. They feel pretty good. And then they start going, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, I, I, I'm afraid it's going to fail because this, that. And you realize the person keeps going to a past story or past version. Either we haven't gone deeper or whatever, but what's interesting in the recording, they hear themselves. And then they sometimes have come back and, and say, now I know what my girlfriend was talking about when she says, I just take everything to a negative, no matter how positive it is that I seem to, kind of keep projecting like this <clears throat> fatalistic outcome or something. So recording allows you to kind of in a way hear how you unconsciously think in real time. It, I think for the reasons that you just said, I mean, it's, it's so powerful. It's one of those things where it, it can create change right? Like, mm -hmm. it's like hearing yourself say something. You're like, wait, that's me. I'm, I'm continuing this. And you can, you can observe the pattern when you hear it yourself. And you, as you're saying, it's almost these unconscious things, but you become conscious of the unconscious things. And yes. that seems to be so powerful. I'll, I'll give you an example. Okay. Right. <clears throat> oh God. <laughs> I was on an interview just like this, a podcast, okay. and mm -hmm. it was during the peak of shutdown. And I had my son with me and I was trying to do the interview when he was in the other room. And I sounded like I was talking really fast. I mean, I do in general when I'm excited, but like I was on too much coffee. I sounded stressed out. And I, I, was, I was hoping I, was, I can use the interview for, cause he, I, was, I actually did some breakthrough stuff for the guy. And I found myself communicating in a way in which 
I've heard before, and it's, there's been a reflection by, you know, girlfriends and people I've dated, like, I can tell you're stressed. But because I'm consciously there, like in the moment, I feel what I'm saying is positive sound, I have a little bit of a bite to my tone. And so um, even with me, supposedly as an expert, I've heard myself on recordings and have said, wow, wow, I must have been having one of those days. And it's <laughs> right. okay. So we're not supposed to be perfect. We are to be hopefully compassionate with ourselves. Cool. So, so listen, I mean, we're getting up on like 45 minutes already. So Dr. Ray, I, I really, 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 really appreciate you, uh, you know, coming to join. And um, I think that's it. And before we run, is there, is there some way that people can learn more about you or, or um, you know, find, more, find something more about you? Um, yes. Visit my website, which is www.rayd.okTor.com. And that's my real name. As mentioned, ray at raydoctor.com. Awesome. All right. Well, listen, Dr. Ray, it was like, you know, I'm, I'm super grateful you came on. I'm really, uh, uh, I guess, optimistic that uh, this is going to be really helpful for a lot of guys in particular. And, uh, and thanks so much and enjoy the rest of your day, man. Thank you very much. All right. Bye-bye.